you're listening to Framework, where we dig into the research, planning, and building that goes into bringing products to market. I'm Rob Hayes. And I'm Tom Creighton. And today we're talking with Jason Field, the founder and CEO at BrainStation, about how they built their online education platform, Synapse, and moved their in-person education model online. Jason, can you give us a short intro to yourself and what BrainStation is for those who might not be familiar with it? Yeah, definitely. So first off, thank you for having me today. It's great to get to know you guys and your audience. My name is Jason Field. As you mentioned, I'm the founder and CEO of an organization called BrainStation. Uh, we are the world leader in digital skills training. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Awesome. So BrainStation is not new. You guys have been around for about seven years now. What has led to shifting some of your skills training service from being an in-person model to an online model now? Yeah, so uh, we haven't shifted from one to the other. We've actually moved from in-person and evolved to offer online as well. So it's really just we've increased our, our delivery modalities for our customers and their needs. Uh, we still deliver cutting-edge digital skills training in both synchronous uh, in-person environments, uh, as well as now synchronous online, as well as asynchronous online, uh, which we term as online live. Uh, or online on demand. So how did you discover the, the customer need to, to increase those modalities? How did you uncover that? Yeah, I think that it's something that we were aware of even before seven years ago, before we started and knew what this brand was, that to operate at scale, we would need to go beyond the physical. We created a mission or a goal, I'll say, a brand statement that uh, and you will have seen it in the emails back and forth to empower 1 million professionals by 2025. We set that goal before we even had the brand BrainStation and, and knew that that was going to be the brand. Uh, so we're pretty serious about it. And uh, I think it goes without saying it would take us a lot longer than that, more than likely, to impact 1 million people if we only did uh, in-person learning. So I think it was always something that we were going to work towards. And now we're, we're delivering through you know, live learning, whether it's in person or online. And this quarter alone, we actually have representation. I, I just saw a presentation from my team on it. I believe it's 14 states uh, and eight provinces currently tuning in and, and learning through our live learning stream. So what, what was, uh, I guess, what was happening in the business or in the market that made this the right time? to get into online? Yeah, yeah, great question. I think that even seven years ago, we knew that we were going to end up becoming an online learning provider as a complement to our original delivery modality. But to be honest, we were too inexperienced. Uh, if we went right into building an online solution, we would have been skipping a bunch of the steps that were necessary. So uh, I think that we went with what made the most sense that we were more familiar with. So we created in-person first. And I actually think that that has allowed us to iterate, uh, learn plenty from uh, the ups and downs of doing things correct, incorrect, et cetera, getting to know our customers up close, personal, in-person, which has actually gone a long way to develop the, the, the systems and the software that you would experience today through Synapse in one of our learning experiences. I think that the business need, I mean, as much as we knew we were going to get there, it really is a matter of when. And the when came about when we did this rather large engagement uh, two years back with one of the big Canadian banks. Uh, we trained 5,000 of their people managers in a year and a half. Jeez. And it was all in person. <laughs> it was mm. uh, it was. Big time. It was a huge roadshow. We were in the Caribbean. We were in Europe. We were in Australia, uh, or sorry, uh, Canada, United States. Uh, I don't think we made it to Australia, but it, it was a big engagement. And it just went to show that the demand for our corporate customers was definitely there to train at scale. And it was incredibly uh, cumbersome. And as much as we could pull it off, it, it wasn't the, the right way to go about it. So in-person learning only was obviously not the, the end state for BrainStation. So there's definitely like existing solutions and, and competitors in this space. Was that scale that you wanted to reach and that learning from running the in-person training for a number of years, did you discover what wasn't working in that online space that, that you could translate from from running the, uh, the in-person business? Yeah. So I guess, as mentioned, we were not and are not the ones to solve the problem of delivering learning at scale. I think 
you know there there are plenty in the market already, and there will plenty be there will be plenty of competitors and brands in the market into the future. I, I truly believe that learning is a non-monopolistic space. I mean, in the city of New York, you can go to NYU, you can go to Parsons, you can go to Columbia, you can go to all of these different schools. If you wanted to learn accounting, I'm sure I could point you in the direction of like 25 schools, right? So it's non-monopolistic. I think the same thing goes in this online space. I think there's different ways of approaching the problem set. Uh, there have been plenty of companies that have done that, even looking back to textbook organizations that have historically spread knowledge at scale through the institutions, through physical uh, instances. We have our own flavor, our own mix, and we're operating in this space that penetrates every quadrant of what I call the the learning matrix. So in-person, synchronous, online, synchronous, or live, as well as on-demand, synchronous, and asynchronous as well. So I, I think the competitive edge that we have is knowledge of all four of those quadrants and being able to deliver in each of them. Uh, and sometimes, and many times, it's not one or the other. It's not mutually exclusive. It actually ends up being blended learning where our customers are learning in person, but also doing some on-demand work on their own time or learn at your own pace. And then they're also doing some online live learning um, after they they graduate their course or their program. So it sounds like this was, you know, ha- has been a part of the vision uh, f- for a long term for you guys. How much customer research, user research, market research did you have to put in to really kind of validate out this opportunity? Or was this, was this purely a, an intuition lend decision or a, you know, the market had already validated the need for you? I think that there are several steps in the, in the process when identifying which products we're going to launch, period. So that goes for kind of like our educational products, our courses, our programs, et cetera. And then on top of that, if we're speaking to Synapse and the actual software or you know any of the, the digital tools that we're using that enable the different delivery modalities, I, I think there is quite a bit of research that goes into it. I mean, I won't get too far into it because I know uh, plenty of my competitors are going to be listening to me on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a, definitely a mix of everything that you'd expect. I, I don't think it's it's overly complex. I think it's you know, part one part search traffic, uh, one part industry connections and just connectivity to the movers and shakers and the innovators, one part industry employment data. Uh, so there, there's a lot of factors, um, but we also hedge across all of our, our different lines of business by introducing products and pieces of technology or software with these minimal touch points first that eventually roll into full on courses, programs learning management systems, you name it, anything that we end up rolling out, we we hedge with different experiments to get to kind of the grand finale. So in terms of putting together all of those factors and, and looking at those those things that are already in market, how many different approaches did you consider when you were when you were looking to to solve this problem, to to bring this platform online uh, before actually settling on on what became Synapse? You know, it, it's a hard one to point to because I think it, it started seven years ago. I think, I think back to the first learning experience that we delivered on, it, it was in a dingy co-working space through meetup.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that was the, the inception. That was the first experiment. And it was that community of 16 people that we had never met that wanted to learn digital skills that came together one gave us their time. Uh, it was a free workshop, but they gave us our time. So therefore it validated people wanted what we were offering. And then two, we got to speak to those customers firsthand. Three, we got to observe them in a learning environment. Four, we get to get to know instructors, build content, etc. So if I go all the way back to seven years ago, we were running these experiments and that has all led to several delivery modalities, multiple states, multiple provinces, tens of thousands of customers, a great deal of Fortune 1000 brands, etc. But at the root, it all comes down to that initial experiment. And, and quite frankly, I think that's what has enabled our team to create the most superior uh, learning experience, as well as learning management system in Synapse that you're going to find in market, because we didn't jump into just building a digital product. We actually validated it through the physical first and we know our, our customers better than anyone else out there would know them. So I think it was natural phase progression. Um, so it's hard to point to the exact moment in time. And 
we had Synapse before it was Synapse. It just looked a whole lot differently. Like I, I printed out the lessons, lesson plans and handed them individually to each professional as they came into our dingy co-working space during that first year. So that very much so was the learning management system. It was just me. I got to know all of the students. They gave me feedback on their experiences, what else they were looking for, got to know the instructors, provided guidance, etc. So you end up experiencing in the physical what you then implement into the digital. To roll out this new modality, it, it did require, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much of the Synapse platform existed until it was kind of properly branded and introduced as Synapse. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I'm sure there was a significant financial investment for you guys to, to get that built and, and launched. And so it sounds like there's the BrainStation business has been a validation of the need from the customer side. How do you validate that the, like, the business investment is going to pay off, that this is going to you know, provide that scale for you, or it's, it's going to you know, be enough of a revenue generator to, to warrant its cost of financial and human resources? Yeah, because it's so, speaking to Synapse directly, because it's so important and so directly infused, not only into the online delivery modalities, but also the original modality of in-person synchronous, it's hard to point to the ROI equation. I can look across the entire business though and just say to myself, could we possibly have done this without developing this piece of software? And well, for one thing, it would suck for me to hand out all of those lesson plans still to <laughs> thousands of customers. And I can't be in multiple states, multiple provinces, multiple countries. So the, the scaling issue is a, a clear one where I can look to markets, lines of business, and revenue streams from different various delivery modalities and corporate customers that we've run, or sorry, won through being able to run these different engagements. And it all has come from enabling this piece of software. Now, at the same time, I could also convince myself that an off-the-shelf solution would have done the trick, and it probably would have allowed us to get by, and it would have been easier and, and less expensive but it would have been way more expensive in the long run. I, I think that we totally needed a custom solution and we were obsessed with this end-to-end -end journey of our, our customers from uh, content creation. We build all of our slides in-house. We have 80,000 plus slides that go through a, a complete system of designers, content creators, thought leaders, etc. We have hundreds of thought leaders and experts that help us to create those. We do all of our instructor resourcing. We've never used a recruiter. We sell, we market, we don't have an agency. We build all of our software in-house. We work with our architects and engineers to develop our facilities based on the exact customers that only we serve. So something as important as Synapse, it made absolutely no sense to introduce something off the shelf given Synapse is probably the most important thing out of everything that I just mentioned. It is the most consistent and frequent touch point. It is the customer experience. So I think in the end, the investment was not a, a yes or a no, should we or should we not? It was, we need an LMS. The investment was, do we do our own or do we go off the shelf? And I can effectively say that if we went off the shelf, we would not have the same level of uh, customer experience control that we have in this state. And I mean, we can scale as large as we'd like to now. And with the launch of this online on-demand or learn-at-your-own-pace product, that's a truly global experience that you don't need to be in our physical. You don't need to be tied to a time zone. You could be in, in New Delhi in India, and your company could buy the license for on-demand, and you now have access to that. That is only possible because we invested in building our own piece of software. There's no off-the-shelf solution that would have served all of the delivery modalities that we had the ambition to enter into. Hmm. I think it's it's really interesting to think of a piece of software as as sort of an embodiment of of an ecosystem that you've already developed. I'm I'm really interested to know if there's sort of major functional aspects of the other modalities that you're introducing now that are different from the, you know, what, what you've done historically in terms of in-person learning and so on? Right. So more or less the customer experience, how it differentiates or just the, the, the business at large? I think, I mean, a, a bit of both, but I think more on the side of the business at large, are there 
let's say like functions within the business or even specific people that are needed right. to run the platform. Yeah, I think if we were still what we were five to seven years ago, mm -hmm. we more or less were serving as a fresh coat of paint on what already existed, which was in-person learning. We approached it quite differently with a more intimate learning environment, uh, more cutting edge digital skills, faster to market, all of those sorts of things, which were fantastic. But ultimately it looked and felt like a more innovative school than you would find down the street. Mm -hmm. So you, you had a bunch of individuals within our organization that were just more cutting edge and innovative in the way that they thought and operated than their counterparts in incumbent organizations or institutions. Whereas the second we started progressing down the path of online learning and various delivery modalities, I mean, all of the individuals that were with us from the beginning, the, the great thing is we're in a position of learning digital skills and, and kind of uh, experiencing everything ourselves. All of our employees get free access to all of our learning experiences. So we took a bunch of non-technologists and we now have all technologists, which is fantastic. But we definitely did start to hire and staff up in areas that uh, we we weren't as strong in before. Um, so obviously, you know the the typical cast of characters of uh, software developers, product managers, quality assurance, uh, UX UI designers, motion designers, etc. So uh, there definitely has been a shift in terms of the percentage of our workforce that are digital natives. Um, but at the same time the the team that was with us from the beginning, what has been so exciting for them and myself included is being able to be a part of that journey and seeing the professional development at the individual level that has come with growing into the ambition of what Synapse has enabled us to uh, to go after. That's interesting. It's a, it sounds like it's really a, a bit of a DNA change for the organization. Yeah. What the business is has changed dramatically in order to better serve the vision. Yeah. And I think it's not, again, it's not one or the other. I think there are others that, mm -hmm. quite frankly, don't necessarily touch the digital product nearly as much as others, right? Mm -hmm. there, there definitely are those that live, eat, and breathe Synapse in the world of software Whereas there are still those core functions that have always existed, which is communications with our, our customers, our students, um, which is you know, marketing at scale, which is customer acquisition, et cetera. So those functions still exist. I think it's just other functions now exist that didn't before. Mm -hmm. The previous functions are just a lot more ingrained into the digital world because Synapse touches every element of the business. Yeah. So a lot of the content that you're delivering through the platform still still very much maintains the same shape, I imagine. So how much of your existing digital skills training playbooks and operations carry forward when you move into this new modality? Is it the exact same, just in a different channel? Or how much of that needed to kind of evolve to fit the online delivery? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, I think that a lot of it still applies. I think that the fundamental efforts of getting our original business off of the ground stand true. I think that, however, the ambition of going across the United States, all across Canada, eventually across multiple geographies around the world, I think the brand needs to mature. I think the team needs to mature. The technology obviously needed, needed to be built out to enable that. The content also is another piece of the puzzle where, sure, we had developed over 80,000 slides, we had all of the right instructors, and some of it did translate really well into the online synchronous environment or online live, but it wasn't picture perfect. So we kind of had to go back to those 80,000 slides and almost rewrite that textbook, if you will. So a lot of the activities were revamped, um, a lot of the structure of the lessons, etc. But the flow is quite similar. It mimics the in-person environment in a major way. So it wasn't as drastic. I think the more drastic area in which the business looks completely different is this third modality, which is online on demand, which is actually through BrainStation Studios, which we spun up on the side, which is a completely separate portion of our business, um, which is a lot more lights, camera, action, and very Hollywood-esque. <laughs> Whereas online live is 
actually we've been doing it for two years now. It's what Peloton does in the fitness space. Mm-hmm. We have all of these expert instructors in our beautiful facilities, for example, you know, New York in Soho, for example. So let's say you're from Connecticut, you now are able to access this thought leader in the space of data science who maybe doesn't exist in Connecticut, but totally does in downtown Manhattan, right? So it's, it's providing access to that. But again, it's very similar. It's live. It's synchronous. There's a similar flow to the learning experience, the, the lesson plan, et cetera. Whereas on-demand is, is very different. It's press play, press pause, fast forward, rewind, going through activities. It's, it's very, very different in that category. So you've you've spoken quite repeatedly that this is a very iterative process and that what, you know, if we're pointing at Synapse, it's really sort of grown out of a lot of what you were doing already. That said, was there a point where you really had to think about the scope of what you were building and build a time box around saying like, yes, we need to build this and it has to you know, it, it has to be done by this date or, or was it just this rolling process where you knew where you were trying to get to and just, you were going to get there? Yeah. I think that's the tricky dance. I think it's, <laughs> it's a little bit too feel good to say there's never a, a deadline. I think that you you start to stray away from the viability and actually running the finances and making sure that we're serving customers to the degree of they're willing to pay for it because dollars do matter. And everything that we've done is self-financed as well. So we either make money off of it to re-inject in the business or we don't. So there's a lot at stake. With that being said, we never established the product needs to be finished at this point in time because mm-hmm. as we're on this podcast right now, the product is not finished. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not even close. I mean, is it ready for customers? Yeah, we've already served thousands of customers through it. Is it at the end state? No, and it's never going to be. So Mm -hmm. there are always new milestones and new features being launched and existing features being tweaked and enhanced on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. I think the milestones really are established in, okay, by this time, we're going to have our first customer. By this time, we're going to have a better idea of what said customer wants. By this time, we're going to land a few big accounts. By this time, but it's, it's, rather rough road mapping mm-hmm. um, because when you're getting into a space that you're not as familiar with, it, it's difficult. You can set those targets, those forecasts and get into too much of a waterfall format where if you stop moving in the right direction or you, you, you're not hitting targets or whatever, the team can be deflated and you're, you're missing the point of you're launching something out of nothing, right? You're creating something out of nothing. So how can you possibly know exactly what the forecast is going to look like. But at the same time, if you don't have a general idea of your direction, you could be spinning aimlessly into space until the end of time. Mm -hmm. And now no one has a job. So it's somewhere in between those two very drastically different states. And I think the difficulty of uh, CEO and executive founder or uh, a product leader is where do you land in that spectrum? And I think that the further you get along, the better you should be at forecasting. I'm much better now at understanding what we're capable of and what our customers are looking for, et cetera. Whereas if we did this podcast two years ago, I mean, we were figuring it out for the first time. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. You you mentioned previously, there was a bit of a new expertise built up in-house to to build out a digital product of this scale. Mm-hmm. Did that play with your ability to forecast and, and, and kind of understand? Because it's almost getting into a new a new area of expertise uh, in, in building this. Yeah. So I think that we're not a we're not only a digital skills training company, we're definitely a technology company. Uh, I think we've become more of a technology company over time, and that's part of our ambitions and our goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not one or the other. What we teach and what we do and how we execute are very much so aligned. Uh, we have the best digital products team you'll find anywhere across North America. And we've been able to, of course, understand deeper and deeper into any area of digital skills or, or content or software as we go along, because obviously we're an institution that's uh, attached to all of these thought leaders and experts that don't exist necessarily in our company as well. So we're in a really, really advantageous point to be that digital product company. I think another you know, piece of it is 
BrainStation is a Conrad Group company. So we actually are one company within quite a few sibling brands that operate alongside us. So one of the, the brands is the original Conrad Group business, which is called Conrad Consulting. So Conrad builds and delivers end-to-end digital experiences from strategy to design to development. So in any category that you're correct, given that we initially started in kind of like a, a different delivery modality in space, this wasn't as natural to us. We have a sibling that has launched you know, hundreds of digital experiences and products for several of the Fortune 1000 brands. So we're just in good company in general. Uh, we're very well positioned. And, and quite frankly, it's the only relationship like that, I, I believe, that exists in the world where our students, our customers are engaging with us, but in kind engaging with a digital management consulting firm with hundreds of software developers, hundreds of designers, a deep layer of management and strategy expertise when it comes to digital products. So mm-hmm. we're definitely not alone in that mission. And I, I will have to say that without Conrad Consulting by our side, it would definitely have been a long journey and we would have made you know, way, way more mistakes. So I think we're very fortunate to be positioned that way. And obviously our, our customers experience that and, and benefit from that uh, in the long run as well. Uh, let's take a brief ad break. This episode is sponsored by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage servers in the Linode cloud in seconds with your choice of distro, resources, and location. They've now got dedicated CPU instances for when you need consistent, high-performance computing. And right now, they're offering a $20 credit to all Framework listeners. Whether you're building distributed apps, hosted services, websites, or CI setups, Linode is where to build it. You can pick from any of their nine worldwide data centers with two more opening this year. You only ever pay for what you use with hourly billing, so it's super cost-effective to deploy and maintain infrastructure. And they've got a new cloud manager, so it's super easy to provision, monitor, and backup everything. To claim your $20 credit, just visit linode.com framework and use the promo code FRAMEWORK2019. That's all one word, FRAMEWORK2019 at linode.com framework. And we're back. So you jumped on this a bit before, but when you were designing the user, the actual user experience uh, or, or the education experience within Synapse, how much are you trying to replicate what that live classroom experience is? Yeah, I think that was a really challenging part of this whole experience for myself as well as my team. I think when you know something exceptionally well and when we're, we've already designed content learning experiences uh, in a delivery modality where we're getting five out of five stars, our instructors are are top tier, Mm -hmm. things are all going well. It's extremely easy to just adopt exactly what we were doing. So we approached it with, yes, we're doing a really great job in one delivery modality, uh, which is in-person learning. That isn't to say that we're going to just roll in and and completely own this new space, there's going to be a lot of experimentation. Let's remember where we came from, which is we had no idea what we were doing seven years ago. None of us had a a background in academia Mm -hmm. um, and we figured it out through trial and error over time. So we have to approach it the way that we did initially all over again from a place of not ignorance, but almost like a child, which is exciting. You're, you're revisiting this point of inspiration that you haven't in a while because you've already built this layer of expertise now internally that you, you stop questioning yourself as much. Whereas heading into this, my number one focus with the team was question everything that we do. And let's make sure that you know we're assessing this as what it is, which is a completely separate delivery modality and therefore customer experience and journey. So let's proceed with caution. And I think a lot of it did translate quite well. And this is speaking to uh, in-person synchronous to online synchronous or online live because they are so similar. The only difference there is instead of being in a classroom surrounded by your peers, you're in your office or you're in the comfort of your home in, in your home office and you're tuning in, but you can see all of the the face tiles of your peers and you can see your instructor and there are breakout rooms and technology has got us to this point where online live learning or for lack of a better term, uh, I hate to say it, but distance education, which hasn't been done well historically, is now awesome, like fantastic, right? So synchronous, both in person and online were quite similar. So they translated really well, although there were learnings that we had to incorporate into it. 
online on demand, I mean, completely different story. This was how do people do when they're on camera being recorded, building a media business from scratch in which we, none of our team had ever had experience in the media business side of things. Who do we interact with? What's the language? What about the equipment? Um, it, we've done a whole bunch of learning there. So I think in that state, we were forced into a, a state of approaching it like a child because no one was fooling uh, ourselves or each other that we knew what we were doing. Whereas online live, we did have the risk of just applying exactly what worked, the same formula for in-person onto online. So we did proceed with caution there. Mm-hmm. Following on from that, you you mentioned rewriting a lot of your content or reapproaching how it was delivered and, and also the beginner's mindset as you opened up these new delivery channels. Were there really significant, like unexpected gaps that that you discovered, or was it really more about adapting to sort of the different modalities? I think that speaking to online live specifically, a gap that existed that didn't translate perfectly definitely was like the hands-on nature of the activities. We had to reformat a bunch of those, and that was a lot, and we had to retrain our instructors or train new instructors on how to approach teaching individuals over uh, our online live platform and through Synapse um, in a different delivery modality. So I think that was quite interesting. There was this big push, I think, for hundreds of our instructors to get respun up so that they could teach in both delivery modalities if they so chose. And it also was a learning that not everyone is meant for camera. It's pretty tricky. And It had nothing to do with how brilliant the instructors were. Some of our top rated five out of five instructors in the in-person synchronous state did not translate overly well. And they were pretty well aware of it as well. It's just different. You're, You're on a screen, you're interacting with a bunch of technology. And then another thing that I thought was kind of cool, but a challenge that we had to overcome and still are, and I imagine it's only going to get more dramatic, is as we go from left to right in regards to the adoption curve, We've, we've crossed the chasm in many ways in several of the cities, but the, the chasm is just being crossed in a lot of cities that we haven't penetrated yet. And by that, I mean a lot of customers are kind of becoming aware of digital skills and becoming aware of learning digital skills through a different format, which is not in person for the first time. Mm-hmm. Those individuals aren't at a point of, I'll say, you know, the technology that they're using is not what we would see in Manhattan, for example. So the devices that they're actually tuning in on and uh, the headphones, internet connection, etc. there's this added layer of the customer experience, which I'll label as uncontrollables, or at least they're harder to control. So there was a bunch of kind of prep work needed there and onboarding and the customer journey starts a lot earlier and engagement needs to be higher. And anyways, a, a ton of learning that I, I didn't necessarily see that gap initially heading into it, but we're seeing it more and more. And I think it's also an indicator that more of the world is becoming aware. And therefore, you know, that's, that's great because we have more customers that are just coming online but it comes with different challenges than what we've uh, experienced as we interact with our initial customers in different earlier phases and uh, I would say more mature markets when it comes to digital awareness. I want to go back to that uh, you you kind of glazed over or or just got into it about the educator experience in moving modalities. How much educating of the educators was required there? And then like you talked about the online live, people moving from in-person to online live. What about the pre-recorded education there? Are you using the same instructors that you had or it, does that require a whole new kind of skill set and personality to do that? Because that's that's probably 50-50 acting and education. Correct. Yeah. So I think going first from in-person to online live, a lot of the instructors did translate from one to the other. There were a lot that wanted nothing to do with online live, uh, which is <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. And then there are also new batches of instructors that only want to do online live. So it's very similar to our customers where it didn't end up just being that those that couldn't attend in person did online live. We now have customers that are down the street from one of our campuses that are choosing online live. So it's the same thing with instructors. It's really about preference and how comfortable they are. With that being said, all of our instructors, both in person and online live, are non-professors. These individuals have no background in academia. Uh, They're not PhDs. 
These are senior software architects, directors of marketing, product managers for software companies. These are the, the industry practitioners, the subject matter experts. So it's a kind of foregone conclusion that there's going to be an immense amount of training the trainers, but we choose to train them in that category versus taking someone who has been taking down a specific path in academia that we don't think is conducive to learning digital skills in today's economy. So regardless of delivery modality, there's a lot of training. I think with the added layer of all the technology and on-screen time, et cetera, uh, there's a lot more for online live. There's also troubleshooting um, that would need to be taken care of. Uh, we do have support people on hand uh, ready to hop in if there is a technical issue that, that pops up. But definitely some stuff that doesn't happen when you're just dealing with uh, classrooms, chairs, desks, Wi-Fi, and projectors. Now, when it comes to the learn at your own pace content or on demand, yeah, I think that there are very few people that fit into this category. And therefore, we, we only have, uh, I think the number right now is 18 to 20 individuals that we work with. And we went through, what was the last number I saw? It was somewhere in the range of 450 to 500 people in order to get to those. So you're totally right. It's, it's one part thought leadership and speaking from a, a point of accountability. It's one part understanding uh, inflection points and how to write and read a script. Uh, it's one part acting. It's, it's all these different things. So mm -hmm. I think it's been a journey and we're still on that journey to figure out what is the perfect mix. And we found successes where we didn't think we'd find success and we found failures where we thought we'd find success. So I think that's the one that we're, we're definitely still in a, a complete state of learning. That's that's super interesting. I'd love if you could speak a bit to what the release cycle for for a product look like this looks like, especially I think as you're as you're you know opening up these new modalities and trying to reach that more global audience. What what is a timeline for, you know, content development or instructor recruitment admissions, all of these things before you you, you know, pull the trigger on product or the next cohort or yeah. you know, whatever whatever the sort of measurement of these things is. Yeah, so I'll I'll give uh, an example because there are so many, but I'll give an example that touches into a bunch of different elements, uh, which is we have an accredited data science diploma program. Right. So we offer these full-time immersive programs that are recognized in each jurisdiction, whether it's state, province, etc. So this is a 12-week program, 40 hours a week, so well over you know, 400 hours of learning, which is typically done in a one-year delivery format with master's programs. And these are, these are the students that we're, we're with now. They're, they're typically master's students or students that were going to a master's program that are choosing an alternative so that's kind of the customer that we're working with. So to validate that the data science program a few years ago needed to come into existence, well, there are tons of signs, obviously, um, earlier on. But the, the way that we assess it, coming back to industry expertise, obviously being tied at the hip to our sibling brand, Conrad, consulting helps a whole lot. Having a network of 350 to 400 industry expert uh, instructors from brands like Facebook and Amazon uh, and uh, Well Simple and IBM, etc. That's a great indicator. Then we have uh, job data uh, for each of the markets that we operate in. Uh, we also have search volume and assessing those per geo and running AdWords campaigns and experiments with um, landing pages. Then we get to a point where it's like, okay, I think there's something here. Let's go as far as developing a blog post and see what the traction looks like um, and let's deploy it using different paid or organic advertising and see what the appetite looks like. And then we keep going and we're like, okay, let's develop a thought leadership panel with some of the top data scientists here in New York. Okay, uh, that sold out in, in two days. That's fantastic. Another early validator. Uh, okay, where do we go from there? Let's do an intro to workshop uh, and let's charge 20 bucks for it. Okay, we sold that out as well. So all of these are leading us to believe there is something here because the amount of time and effort that goes into building that 400 plus hour program is immense. Uh, it's a huge, huge uh, percentage of my team's shift of focus to go towards that and spinning it up is, is no laughing matter. So we want to test and be sure. And then the important thing too is I think the first cohort that we launched the data science program 
half of the customers actually entered into the journey as far back as reading that first blog post. So you're developing a customer list all at the same time that you're validating that the experiment is one that you want to continue with. So that's how we validate the data science program and we start building out the content, but then I, I use the diploma program because it's more extreme than one of the professional development certificate courses because the diploma programs are regulated and therefore there is a, a whole bunch of steps involved in uh, getting it, sorry, having it given the thumbs up from the uh, regulators in said state or province. So it's it's quite a long process. With that being said, I mean, once we actually put our minds to it, we can launch a diploma program in three to four months, which is exceptionally fast yeah. given a college or university, if they wanted to change a question on an exam, could take four to six months. <laughs> so once you do get these things into market, I guess let's look at kind of the use case of, of one of your new modalities. Mm -hmm. What benchmarks or KPIs are you using to to measure the success of that. I, like I'm sure there's, you know, financial metrics, but from a quality of product, how are you measuring that? Yeah, I think before I just want to speak to uh, the listeners. And one thing that I have learned is dollars speak volumes in way that other actions do not. <laughs> so before we even get to releasing something or having the thesis that we're looking to prove and we go all in and we, we start interacting with different compliance issues and building the product, etc. cetera. Uh, I will say that as much as the blog post traffic, as much as the panel, as much as the events and workshops and the courses, et cetera, they, they all do give us an indicator of demand until the dollars actually start being spent. You do not know what your customers want. Hmm. And we see tons of search traffic for exactly what we offer, not translate into customers a lot of uh, leads or request infos or people that go extremely far. They have four phone calls with our different advisors uh, to take them through our different products, etc. And they're like, this is the perfect for, for me. Until they actually commit, you haven't validated your experiment. I, I find that you, you got to go further and further into a multi-phased approach. But eventually, and I'm pretty aggressive on this, you do need to go beyond the Wizard of Oz tactic and you need to get dollars lined up. Until you have the dollars lined up, it's really hard to put your money where your mouth is because your customers have not. So let's say we do that though, and we have the customers and we know we have the customers and now it's time to get started. So we now have the customers one, uh, we validated initially that there's something here. So now delivering it, I think moving from a world that we know to a world that we assume to be quite similar. So in person to online live, we looked at a lot of the similar KPIs, uh, retention, repeat buyers, uh, revenue, obviously being able to hit forecast goals, costs of selling, including costs of acquisition. How hard is it to translate um, into actual paying customers, referral rates internally within Synapse uh, and with our instructors, we have feedback on a, a class to class basis. So seeing how that differentiates when we have uh, a data, an advanced data science with Python course running in online live and then also in Manhattan, which one does better? Mm -hmm. uh, well, there's a bunch of variables there, but you know, ultimately we're trying to figure out how do we make sure that all of our experiences are five out of five and sometimes we miss the mark and sometimes it comes down to other things like instructor or geography or each batch of customers is completely different as well and their, their goals heading into it, etc. So you're trying to narrow in on how to make the experience more successful. Now, moving into something that we have no experience in, like on demand, that's the hard one, mm -hmm. where establishing that set of KPIs can sometimes be premature and you get into this analysis paralysis versus just experiencing it for the first time and understanding your customer for the first time and developing the KPI set as you go. And sure, you can head in and, and like I said, revenue rules all. It actually indicates whether there's something that's viable or not. If the revenue is not there, that to me is an indicator that the customers aren't there and the customers aren't buying what you're, what you're delivering on and, and, and that sort of stuff. So you're trying to set up the experiment so you have enough flags in the journey so that if you're trending towards a 4.2 star experience, well, if 4.5 and above is our threshold for success, 
and we always are aiming for five, then we're not there yet. So why is that? And it, it really is a state of learning. And I, and I think, you know, as you go, you get more laser focused on what the actual KPI should be. Um, but that takes time. <laughs> as you were either sort of cloning over existing KPIs or figuring out what those new modality centric KPIs actually were, were you ever thinking about what the what the kill signal might be or what what the kill switch is where you know it was consistently one out of five what would that outcome have looked like or how would you have handled that yeah so the good thing is i can't speak authentically to it because it's never happened <laughs> uh, but i'm sure i'm sure it eventually will again i think we we set up the experiments well enough so that we catch it early enough so for example, online live, we didn't just launch this new delivery modality. We actually demonstrated blended learning and still do in our in-person synchronous engagements. Mm -hmm. We are diploma, the data science diploma program, the first two weeks of 12 are actually done from the comfort of the students' homes. So the first two weeks they're interacting through the, the online live experience and then the, the latter 10 weeks is in person. So we actually did these blended learning approaches, and then we also incorporated into that some on-demand learning. So we experimented with all delivery modalities as almost like by the side or they're accompanying uh, in-person synchronous learning. Complementary is the right word. They, they are complementary, and then we were able to annex them and because we knew the, the landscape better, actually offer them as completely separate um, and secluded delivery modalities. But that, again, that was several iterations where we were kind of feeling it out as we went. With your online service offerings, does it offer you guys um, much more quantitative measurements of your education experience versus, versus the in-person? Yeah, uh, also a great question. I think that we're still figuring out the actual capability, and I don't think we're ever going to get to that end state again, of what digital provides us from a, a data perspective of the customer journey and their experience. And again, that, that goes for uh, in-person, because when you're learning in person, you're learning through Synapse. You're logging into Synapse. You just so happen to be in front of your laptop, and your laptop has Synapse on it. Mm -hmm. So... Synapse is an LMS that spans all of our delivery modalities. So we're gaining data also for our original business or delivery modality in a way that we wouldn't have before. So I think that's fantastic. I think that uh, we're very much so still figuring out what that looks like for on-demand and, and even online live. But I, I think it's, it's something where we're never going to reach that end state. And, and then it's also what do you do with said intel and information? I, I think... We have this internal saying for, I guess, our, our employer brand, uh, which is we're going to find the future first. So I don't know what it's going to look like, but in the space of digital skills training and learning, no one's going to get there before us. And we're committed to that journey. So I think we will figure out what those KPIs are. We will figure out what that intel is that allows us to um, propel the, the user experience in any delivery mo modality better than anyone in the world. And that goes beyond digital skills training. I think what we really have in Synapse is an LMS that could be executed in a course teaching molecular biology. I think we have an LMS that could be used in teaching at universities, institutions, corporations. It doesn't matter. We have a completely different journey ahead of us at, at this exact moment in time, Synapse is only self-serving. It is not for sale, but it is a proprietary piece of software that's being developed in a, in a way in a state that it could reach scale through organizations that don't have the brand name BrainStation. What would you say that you've learned specifically from, from launching those new modalities, launching online learning that will shape how your business grows over the next couple of years? Yeah, I think with online live, we've gone from really only being able to impact those that physically come to us to now, like I mentioned, the 14 states and the eight provinces currently tuning in. I mean, that's fantastic, but that's uh, North American and from East Coast to West Coast. Mm -hmm. So what about India? What about China? What about uh, Australia, New Zealand? What about Europe, Africa, etc.? So that's where on demand comes in. And I think on-demand is going to propel our brand to a point where 
working professionals in any continent around the world should and will know about BrainStation. Whereas with synchronous learning, that would have made no sense unless we actually expanded in the brick and mortar space, which wasn't really our focus. We've really been sitting in the background and perfecting, I think, the most scalable piece that will be the winning formula, which is how do you scale learning through digital and through online? Because at that point, we can spin up a campus in London, England uh, in no time. We have the, the formula, formula, we have the playbook, but the really challenging one is developing this digital infrastructure to facilitate the various delivery modalities that corporations and professionals need because it's not one. Uh, I genuinely believe it's multiple and that's not with one learning experience. Like I said, we're demonstrating blending le blended learning and we're trying to figure out the right percentage of content to be learned in each of those delivery mo modalities, even if you're buying it in person. So that really answers the last question we had for you, but maybe kind of give you a chance to take another spin on it. This online platform really represents a major leap in terms of how you scale your training model. Are you thinking about scale purely in terms of a, geo, a geographic scaling, you know, in, in terms of how do you roll this out in India and London uh, worldwide, really? Are there other ways that you're thinking about how you scale your education model? Yeah, without giving too much away, uh, <laughs> I, I think that... I think that the big one, focusing on kind of our core business right now versus more of the future state stuff. I mean, we could talk about the future LMS business that we very much could spin off and, and launch, but I think it's it's yet to be defined a whole lot. So I think focusing on the core business and where that is going to go, I think the big penetration point right now is kind of top down. So we have a lot of uh, CTOs, CIOs, VPs of digital, etc., coming to us in a way that it used to be a lot more B two C. That's where we started. We were we were B two C. We we worked with individuals that looked, sounded, um, and felt a lot like us as as founders. So we're now moving into the upper echelon of some of the most uh, prominent organizations in the world. So I think we're going to be able to penetrate more learners, more professionals, and empower more people and have a greater amount of impact with the vehicle being the actual organizations themselves prescribing it uh, across their organization. It's, it's a game changer when we win a contract with a company that has 80,000 employees and they all gain access to BrainStation On Demand. That's how we're going to empower 1 million by 2025. This moves to be something like healthcare or dental, dental plans provided by a business for its employees. Correct. And I would say it's uh, it's up there in importance as well. Certainly. Well, we'll wrap it up there. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for uh, running us through that. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks. So big thanks to Jason for joining us today and a big thank you for listening. If you're interested in learning more about BrainStation, attending any of their courses, events, workshops, online, in person, check it all out at brainstation.io. Framework is part of the Spec Network, and that's a podcast network built to help designers and developers level up. You can find more shows like Framework over at spec.fm. And big thanks to Drew Looper, who edits and helps to produce this show. If you enjoyed this episode of Framework, help more listeners find the show by leaving a review or rating on iTunes or recommend this podcast to a friend. And if you'd love to hear someone else's product story on Framework or to tell your own, we'd love to hear from you. Our contact details and Twitter handles are on our website, framework.is. See you next time.